Okay, well, morning, church. I'm going to read from 1 Peter 1, 21 to 25. Through him you believe in God who raised him from death and gave him glory. And so your faith and hope are fixed on God. Now that by your obedience to the truth you have purified yourselves and have come to have a sincere love for your fellow believers, love one another earnestly with all your heart. For through the living and eternal word of God, you have been born again as the children of a parent who is immortal, not mortal. As the scripture says, All mankind are like grass, and all their glory is like wildflowers. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. This word is the good news that was proclaimed to you. I'm delighted to be sharing a snippet of my story with you. When Craig told me it needed to be roughly 12 minutes, I thought, isn't that the most amazing thing about offering hope and encouragement? You don't actually need a whole lot of time. Often hope is in the form of a hug, a smile, a listening ear, a helping hand, a cup of coffee. Recently, I read something that said, I saw your smile and my heart forgot that it was broken. Just something sweet and cheesy, but sweet nonetheless. So I'm going to share with you just a very small piece of a much larger picture, or rather just one thread that makes up the tapestry of my life up to date. So travel back with me. It's January 2001. I was 18, navigating the first year of my BPRIM Ed degree. I opted not to take a break between high school and my studies. I just wanted to get on with it, get it done as fast as I could. Things were going well in my household. My mom seemed to have the drinking under control. She was a binge drinker, and the episodes came in fast and furiously without any warning, leaving nothing unharmed in her drunken fury. But this had been my childhood, my life all through my childhood. She would fall off the wagon for a few days or a couple of weeks, get sober, do a stint in rehab, and we'd all just move on. From as young as I can remember, I lived in a constant state of fear and anxiety, because if it wasn't today, maybe it would be tomorrow, and if it wasn't tomorrow, then most definitely the next day. But it wasn't all doom and gloom. I had hope. I had heaps of hope, in fact. It came in the form of a man, my dad. If he was away on a business trip and my mom had an episode, we could phone him and he would come home. He would come home and sort things out. Um, he would always come home, and my sisters and I were safe as long as he came home. There was always hope because my dad was there, and he always came home. So on one particular evening after everyone in my family had gone to bed, I got up. I desperately needed to ask my sisters a question. What do you pray for every night? Ange, my middle sister, in her half-asleep state answered, that God would never take dad from us. It, will, it would be awful for us if he did. The relief that flooded me was instant because I prayed the same thing every single night. Feeling overjoyed, I went into Nat's room, my younger sister. But she'd already fallen asleep. I tried to pull her hair and poke her nose. I even did the most horrendous thing. I pulled the covers off her, but she didn't wake up. But I was so sure that she prayed the same thing. I was filled with hope and I fell asleep that night peacefully. 
September rolled around, bringing with it the promise of new life as the smell of blossoms filled the air. It's my favourite time of the year. Angie and I and my dad set off to the squash court. We did this most evenings, nothing out of the ordinary. We played game after game. There was laughter, there was noise, there was chatting, joke telling, lots of silliness, and a little bit of competitive bickering between Angie and I. And while my dad coached us from the stands, the more he said, less silliness, girls, and more hitting the ball, the more we would laugh and miss the ball, which led to more hysterical fits of giggling. Any minute now, he would tell us to concentrate, I remember thinking, but there was silence, complete silence. That had never happened before. Angie and I stopped our game and we looked in confusion behind us to where our dad was sitting, or supposed to be sitting, he lay motionless on the ground. Why were people doing CPR? In the confusion, we ran off the court to hear a bystander say, he's had a heart attack, called the ambulance. My dad went home that night to be with Jesus, and the hope that his presence brought to my life died a sudden death too, and it was instantly replaced with a crippling fear, dread, and uncertainty. I felt anxious and deeply, deeply saddened. There was nothing. My world went dark, and the only image that was on replay in my mind was of my sister, lying over my dad's lifeless body, sobbing and pleading for him not to leave us. <coughs> it was dark for days. <coughs> Sorry. Everything fell apart. What I'd imagined our lives would look like without my dad was a walk in the park with candy floss in comparison to our new reality. I was heartbroken, I was angry, I felt betrayed, and I was jealous. I was jealous that my dad was off enjoying his life in heaven with Jesus, and I was stuck here in a life I felt I did not deserve. So I prayed for God to take me home too, because I wanted to be dancing and laughing and carefree in heaven with him and my dad. But that was not God's plan for me. So I lay down, defeated, in my own pigsty of misery and self-pity for what felt like months. I shouted at God, I cried, I begged, I pleaded, I cried some more. I told him the plans he had for me were bad, nothing about this was good. And I asked God again, why? Why would you do this when it's what we prayed? Why would you do this when you knew what life would be like for us? My poor sister's God. My heart broke for my sisters. I wept, and Jesus wept with me. Then one day, in my desperation, in a whisper that was barely audible, I managed, what now, God? God was always there where I was, in the dark and lonely abyss of hopelessness. I don't believe he ever left. That day, God did something so amazing for me. He erased the full stop I'd put on my life, and showed me what it was like to have a living hope, not a dead hope. So I got up, I stood up, slowly, but stronger. No longer a victim to my situation, but rather victorious in Christ, my living hope. Living hope is hope that has power and it produces changes in life. It is only in God, not man, that our hope is assured. Hope that is built on anything other than God will always disappoint. 
It was in that mucky, stinky, filthy pigsty where I lay face down a slave to fear that God planted the tiniest seed of hope and it started to grow slowly. It wasn't overnight, it took years. And during those years, the world took every opportunity to shout, God has left you, Sam. He's turned his face from you. Why would a loving God do this to you? And why on earth do you still love God? But I had experienced the hand of God in my life in my saddest moment, and so my faith deepened. I held on to Jesus for dear life. I had nothing else, yet I had everything. I knew scripture by heart. I relied on what I'd read to get me through each moment of each day, and I prayed all the time. I played my favorite church songs over and over and over again. The Old Testament is full of stories of hope. Abraham was a man of faith. He waited 25 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. Joseph, Moses, David, it was never overnight, was it? All these stories are different, but there is one thing that unites them all, an enduring hope in God. The New Testament has many verses, but less stories of hope. The Christians were persecuted, yet they died singing praises to Jesus, their hope steadfast in a love greater than the hatred that was stealing their lives. And I have to think that this is because God is the one who makes it well with our souls and restores our hope when it is not well with our circumstances. When Jesus was crucified and died, put in the tomb, the tomb sealed. I wonder how the people felt. Alone, afraid, devastated, hopeless, heartbroken. They must have felt as if it was the end. It's over, it's done, full stop. But three days later, God in all his glory stepped in and did something amazing and unexpected. He erased the full stop by raising Jesus from the dead. And because of this, you and I have a living hope, an eternal hope. 1 Peter 1 verse 21 says, Through him you believe in God who raised him from death and gave him glory. And so your faith and hope are fixed on Christ. Hope in Christ is an eternal hope. He's our living hope. And with this comes joy and peace. What a great gift. We are born again to a living hope because we have eternal life. Life in a saviour who has conquered death himself. Um, and as I read earlier, 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says, Now that by your obedience to the truth you have purified yourselves and have come to have a sincere love for your fellow believers, love one another earnestly with all your heart. So it was a Sunday morning in my house, um, probably about three months after my dad had passed away, and my house was full of drunk strangers. I felt a stirring in my heart and I decided to go to church. It was a daunting thought as we'd always gone to church as a family, the five of us, and now it was just me. My parents were well known in the church community. They led Bible studies and hosted church breakfasts, but not, not, not one other person knew of my mother's struggle with alcohol. It had been a family secret. To the outside world, we were just a normal Christian family. I got to the door of the church and I wanted to hightail back to my car. <clears throat> but before I could move, a lovely couple greeted me with a hug and insisted I sit with them. I knew I needed to get help. The situation at home was out of control. But asking for help was not something I'd ever done before. We sang Eagle's Wings that Sunday. 
It was my dad's favorite song and we'd sung it at his funeral. It was a glimpse of hope for me. But as the service ended, my legs were filled with lead. I couldn't move. I was so afraid. They're going to call me a liar, God. But I took the first step towards the secretary's office. She was a lady around my mom's age. I had seen her around. She was at the Bible studies. I'd probably never had a real conversation with her. But I walked into her office and I said, I need help. I cried in the stranger's arms, but it was the most comforting hug ever. She said to me, we will work this out. And here is money for you to buy a burger. Who would have thought that being offered money to buy a burger would have given me hope and sealed a friendship and a bond between me and a person in my church family that I hardly knew? Today, 22 years later, and miles and miles apart, she is still my biggest encouragement, and we share a bond like no other, because the hand of God was at work that day. And there I was, feeling all unloved, unwanted, uncared for. No father and a mother who was only interested in men and alcohol. But God stepped in, and he changed my story. His plan was good. Let's not underestimate the power of Christian community. We are able to build each other up and provide support in times of pain and sorrow. Was this the only dark and difficult time I've gone through? No. <laughs> Christians are not exempt from suffering, and 1 Peter is a reminder of this. In fact, seven years of being on this journey, life took another unexpected turn, but God in all his goodness had brought Jordan into my life by then. I'm not sure if love had made him blind, but he stuck around and was able to help me when things got tough. The entire journey ended in 2021. But in all that time, no matter how dark the day was, I held on to hope because I'd experienced it blossoming out of complete darkness and despair many years before when I'd lost my dad, my darkest and saddest moment. I go into difficult situations now stronger because I persevered all those years before. My hope is stronger. I know God was with me then, and he got me through then, and he will be with me again. I have experienced the hand of God more times in my life than what I have not. We are called to be holy by living our lives with love and by bearing witness in everything we do. Wherever we find ourselves, we give God all the glory. Jesus not only came to bring hope, he is hope. Sharing my story has been a humbling experience. As I look back on my life journey so far, I'm encouraged to see that days of extreme weakness have been some of my most precious moments. As I finish off, I want to leave you with this. If today you find yourself in a situation where you feel you just can't anymore, all your heart feels is despair, you are afraid, and you feel burdened beyond measure. I wanna to say to you firstly, well done for coming to church this morning because often in our pain and suffering, we want to isolate. But from experience, I can say that being surrounded by people who love you is so good for the soul. And secondly, pain is real, pain is raw, it hurts. Feel all those emotions, be angry, be sad. Take all the time you need, but please don't stay in your suffering. It would have been easy for me to, come to become bitter and resentful, but this is not what God has in mind for any of us. 
This situation that you find yourself in now, this is not how your story will end. Be encouraged, dear friend, that you are not alone. God is with you. He will meet you where you are, just as he met me in that stinky pigsty, just as he met Daniel in the lion's den, and just as he was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's not done till it's good. Watch him work it in your favor. Because Jesus has risen, there is hope. That is the best news we could ever get. That hope us allows to face life every day, knowing that God is in control. That hope allows us the freedom to become all that God has called us to be. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you are our hope. You are with us in our suffering. Thank you that you comfort us. Thank you that you are our living hope, our eternal hope. And because of this, we can rise above our deep despair and say as David did, O Lord, you have brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. So help us, Lord, to take our eyes off our circumstances and trust in you regardless of how we are feeling. Because you are present, your plan is still good, and you can be trusted. May our souls find rest in you alone. In your peaceful and holy name, amen.